Am I on now? Okay. You are? Okay. So is it, it's recording? Okay. <clears throat> well, let's go ahead and get started. Feel free to stand up. Feel like you're going to fall asleep. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we just come to you again so thankful for the body of Christ, uh, the privilege we have to gather together like this to be reminded whose we are. And uh, Lord, as we look at this important topic of how to help people who are addicted to pornography, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, use it to make us wise and that our efforts would work towards your glory. We certainly need your help in this. And so, Lord, we ask for that now and want to, again, express our neediness and dependence upon you for all things, for your glory and our joy. Amen. <clears throat> this will be kind of more like, treated like Sunday school class where uh, ask questions. If, you know, something comes up, just raise your hand if you want to comment on it. But you might have to go like this because, again, I don't have my glasses on. I don't need glasses to see this, but I do need glasses to see you. But I can see people there. I just don't know exactly who it is for the most part. <clears throat> so um, when we're talking about pornography, I'm just going to kind of walk you through. I, I counsel this a lot. It's rampant in the church, sadly. And uh, I, I'm always counseling this. So like been at this church for two The church I'm at now is pastor member care, and, and I counsel it. No, I've been counseling it nonstop since I've been there <clears throat> with at least somebody and more than one. I think I have three, right, three situations of this right now that I'm helping with. First thing I'm going to do, like I'm going to do with everybody, is gather information. You know, if they do formal counseling, which pornography is going to fall in that category, which just means I'm going to systematically work through it and give homeworks <clears throat> because they need that. So that, to me, that's the difference between formal and informal. Informal, I'm going to meet coffee. We're just going to talk about life. They're going to ask, hey, what do, you, what do you think about this? And we're just, you know, I'm going to hopefully share true things from the Bible, but it's not considered formal. But this is going to be formal. So they're going to have an intake form that's going to go over some things in their life, whatever. I'm going to do all that stuff. I'm not going to reiterate all that now. But particularly when I'm studying or when I'm counseling pornography, I kind of need to know who I'm dealing with. And if uh, people in this situations struggling with pornography typically fall in, I think you could probably say three different categories. One is they were exposed to it maybe younger and have been trying to fight it. Maybe they look at it once a month or they looked at it, you know, two or three times last year, something like that. Um, so that's one category. Another category is someone who exposed to it maybe when they were young and they're just into it hardcore. Every single day they're looking at it, totally addicted hours, it's impacting their lives significantly, whatever, and that's one person. Another person maybe is that, but they're coming to me because they got busted. Somebody outed them, somebody, you know, their wife said, their wife found out something like that and said, you got to deal with this or I'm leaving. So those are all, I mean, I want to know which one I'm dealing with. So I'm trying to figure out which one I'm dealing with. Also, as I'm gathering information initially, I also need to know like, how bad the situation is. 
uncomfortable stuff to talk about. I'm not going to go into gory details. I don't want gory details. I think that counselors who do that, there's something off. They shouldn't want, but I need broad categories. So I'm kind of just looking for broad categories, like how bad is it? Because someone might say, looking at JCPenney swimsuit catalog, that's, you know, in their mind, that's pornography. And I've had somebody who, who as I asked, it was like that. And really, I, inside, I was going, oh, okay. And I shouldn't, you know, but that's not as bad as the other stuff that I have dealt with. Another person, um, they're, you know, then it, they're looking at, I mean, it's, you know, so I would call that soft porn, JCPenney catalog, hard porn, they're looking at everything. And I'll just ask, are you looking at everything? And they're like, yeah, I'm looking at everything. I don't go any more detail on that. But I want to know what I'm dealing with. And then, and then I also want to know, um, you know, is it, is it, okay, we got some kids here, that kind of thing. But anyways, plug your ears. You know, are we talking gay porn? Because if that's the case, that's a whole other thing. And, and I know we're going to be meeting 20, 30 sessions. This can be more entailed. Um, so... And just a word for the parents back there. We are going to be talking about some of these things, so it's on you, not on me. All right. So I, I want to find out the severity of what, what I'm dealing with, and that's in gathering information. I'm not asking for gory details, but I want to know kind of the category, what, what I'm getting into, and how bad, you know, how severe the addiction is, because uh, that's going to be, uh, it's going to set the expectations, especially for me. Any questions on that? Sure. I would do the, I would do the same thing. I mean, obviously, I'm going to have a lady with me if I do that, and we have a lady counselor at our church, and she's going to take that one. You know. So, but but if I didn't, Dana would be with me. And we would, we would do that, th- the same thing, but I would still need to know. I would still need to know kind of what I'm dealing with there. <clears throat> I haven't with this, yeah. I, I mean, but what do you mean by kids? Teenagers, yeah. Yeah, I had, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was a youth pastor, so... I want to, I want to, I'm finding out what, how, I'm finding out soft porn, hard porn, what, whatever it is. And then, you know, so child porn also. I want to know that as well. So, and, and just for you who are kind of doing counseling and that could possibly be a possibility for you, that, there's state laws. So if they're possessing it, you know, depending on the state, that's, a, and I think maybe federally, that's a felony. And that, there might be mandatory reporting. There's some... There's some counselor protection there if they're seeking help, but you would want to be clear on that, particularly if they're possessing it. If they just saw it and then moved on, that's, a different, that's, that's in a different category than possessing it. So you just want to find out what you're... I'm not, you know, I have to always get up on it and I forget exactly what all the, the laws are on it and what the counselor's requirement is because there is some kind of protection because if someone's trying to get out of something seeking help... Uh, they don't want to, you know, the state and so forth doesn't want to hinder that, hinder that. So anyways, you just need to check that out. So I'm kind of putting on, that on you. If, if child porn, porn does come up, you need to check it out. Figure out what, what your responsibility is by law and make sure you, you do that.
So I need to know kind of where, what I'm dealing with there. And I'm going to do the same thing, whether it's kids, you know, where, wherever they're at. I want to find out in general categories. I'm not asking details. Not my favorite topic to talk about. So, and I think that that's, I think that that's righteous for us to not go into details. Just get general. How bad is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to find out, you know, if it's every day, several hours a day. Like I said, if they, you know, two or three times that last year, that's different to me than every single day, all day. Um, I don't ask that. I, I haven't. Maybe, the, maybe I, I would need to, but I'm not asking that. <clears throat> but I'm asking where it's coming from, which is the next thing that I would talk about is I'm always talking about Radical Imputation, Matthew 5, 27 to 31. I do this on the first session. So why don't, you, why don't you go ahead and turn there. We'll look at it. I'll just mention a few things here. Matthew 5, 27. The context there is uh, Jesus gives the Beatitudes. Chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I interpret this passage. You might disagree with me, but my understanding of the text is Jesus is talking to those who are going to belong to his kingdom. Those are his followers who see him as the Messiah, true believers. So that comes into 27 to to 30, and this is how true believers are going to be dealing with their sin. Why? Because they value their relationship with the Messiah King to such a degree that they don't want sin to get in between them and their king because that's where their joy is. Where do I get that? Really the whole of Matthew, but you go to like some of the parables, what is the kingdom? You know, he's talking about the kingdom there, blessed are those, the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found covered up then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, buys that field. I could make the case to you from Matthew that what that's getting at, kingdom of heaven, that's talking specifically about a person's relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, that's what the kingdom of heaven is ultimately getting at. <clears throat> but I don't have time to make that. Now, if you want to get with me later, I'll show you where I get it. Okay, so all of that is then that informs my understanding of Matthew five twenty-seven. So let's just read it. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said you should not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. I think what Jesus is saying is those those who are his followers, who see him as the Messiah, true believers, members of his kingdom, they care so much about their relationship with him. They see sin as the enemy to that enjoyment of relationship. They're willing to do whatever in order to make sure that nothing happens there relationally with with him. True believers do that. So, true believers don't just sit there and wallow in their sin and think that it's okay. That's why I'm always talking about this first session. True believer ought to be having a conversation. Pornography or, or whatever. They should, and really any sin, but let's just say here we're dealing with pornography. I saw it through the internet. I need to, because I love Jesus, I need to make sure that I'm willing to do whatever so that, it, that what just happened never happens again because of my love for Jesus. But I'm not really doing that because I still got my computer, put a blocker on it. This is saying I'm not a Christian then. 
Is, is that true? Am I not? No, I am a Christian. I love Jesus. I believe the gospel. Okay, then, self. Then, why, then I need to put a blocker on it. Okay, I'm going to go put a blocker on it because I'm a true Christian. So I think what this is getting at, it's kind of like in the passages in the book of Hebrews where everybody kind of is like, oh, does that mean you can lose your salvation? No, it's assuming believers hear this warning and they're going to heed it, right? Like warning signs going up to Sylvan Lake, slow down at 25 miles an hour. If you're trying to go 65, you didn't heed the warning. You didn't believe the sign was true. True believers are going to be driving up through Sylvan Lake. They're going to see that sign, slow down, and they believe the sign is true. So they slow down. Same thing in Matthew 5. True believers are going to have that conversation with themselves. You know, for it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Saying, I have to be radical in dealing with my sin. If I'm not being radical in dealing with my sin, why? Is it because I'm not a Christian? That's what this text is saying. But I am a Christian. Then deal radically. And so I'm, I, that, that first session, I've got to get them committed to deal radically with their sin. They're not going to leave, leave the office without us, you know, where did they get it from? Their phone, their computer, um, a store, whatever. We need to make sure that, it, that they're committed to, to put up hedges so that so far as it depends on them, it's not going to happen again. We want to make it hard for them to sin again in that way. Why are we doing that? Well, because the text here says, right? But also because, I mean, it's kind of like if you're a gardener and you're trying to grow... Uh, tomatoes, and you got all these weeds in your garden that are just kind of keeping the, the vegetables from growing, you got to first pull out all the weeds so that the vegetables can grow. I want them to experience it, especially if they've just been it all the time. I want them to experience a season of life of what it's like to live without that constant guilt and that it's possible so that they can kind of have some fresh air. They've been living in LA with the smog. You know, they don't even know, they don't even realize that it's smoggy until they come out to the Black Hills and get some fresh air. I want them to, to experience that so that they can start to, to enjoy that and, and thrive. They're not going to be thriving in their love for Jesus Christ when they're looking at pornography every single day for hours. Not possible. Not possible. So that's what we're trying to do on that first session. And if they're pausing with me, if they're pushing back on me, and, and this is what I get all the time. Th- this is so important in counseling this. Although this isn't the focus, right? If the goal isn't purity. The goal is to live to the glory of God that entails purity, but my goal is to become like Christ. I mean, if we're just really seriously, if our goal in life is not to look at pornography, that's like way down here. Even unbelievers realize there's some relational damage that comes by being addicted to pornography. That's too low of a goal. I'm also not a fan of purity retreats because it makes purity the ultimate big deal. Like, no, I, if, and I got in trouble one time at this church with a lady because I was like, if that's what it takes for our kids to truly love Jesus Christ, and to love the gospel, to go off the deep end, have all these bad experiences that we would never want them to have. If that's what it takes for them to truly love Christ, that's what I want, right? Because the goal isn't just to make it through this life pure, you know, sexually is what I'm getting at. That's not the, the goal. The goal is to love Jesus. So anyways, that, it's a byproduct of loving Jesus, but it's not, it's not the goal. We don't want to fixate on that. And that is a problem with pornography because people think that they base their spiritual health based off whether or not they looked at pornography. That is their whole, that's their whole focus. And so if they didn't look at pornography and they'll keep a, you know, track of it, didn't look on pornography free for the last six months. Well, guess what happens when they fail? It's absolutely devastation. Maybe they think they're gonna lose their salvation 
whatever, you know, and, and that becomes in the gauge by which they view their relationship with the Lord. It also sets them up to not seeing all the other yuck that's going on in their life. In their mind, that's it. If they could just stop looking at pornography, they're basically Jesus. That's why you have people in seminary training to be pastors, looking at pornography every single day and don't see, you know, they're just like, well, this is my one problem. I get rid of that, I'm good. They don't see all the other stuff that's, that's going on with it, but that's how they can kind of justify it in their mind. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really good. Look, I'm, I know all this. I love the word. I love studying this. This is just an issue I got to get over. So anyhow, I want to, I want to get their commitment to the accountability and I've done this enough that if they're not willing to be radical on this, then we're not moving forward. They're wasting my time and they're wasting their own time. Probably more than 50% of the time, maybe even more than that. We'll start talking about them like, well, where'd you get it from? Okay, your phone. Okay, how, how are we gonna figure out? Because they're more techie than I am. How are, you, how, how are we gonna keep it from, ever, how, from that ever happening again? Like, oh man, I need it for my job. Or all my banking is on my, is on my computer. I can't get it in my computer. All right, well, let me know. When you get serious about wanting to deal with this, then come back to me. Sorry that it's so blunt, you know? But that, just is, that is just the truth. They've got to be willing to do whatever it is. But I get pushback on this all the time. And I realize if, if I let it go on, we don't make any traction. And they do end up wasting, wasting my time. And I just don't have, I don't have unlimited time to, to meet with people. When you, um, you, you mentioned those categories of people who come, like those who are found out, do you, do you find one of those to be more um, open to making the right decision than another of those categories? Yeah, the one that came because their wife busted them, I mean, it depends. They might be just, see the devastation of it, you know, the, the way of the wicked leads to destruction and what it says in Proverbs and, and throughout Scripture. Um, usually the person who found out by someone else. And it really just depends. I mean, one person that, that I met with, I met with them so like 22 times, and I'll mention it again here later. They were really a techie, and they could get around everything. So in the moment of temptation, they were getting around it. And I, I was like at a loss. You know, I had to bring in other techies to figure it out. And then... It was just labor to do that because they'd come back. How'd the hedges work? Oh, I slipped this one time. How'd you slip? Oh, because of this, 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 and this. It was the kind of phone. So we had to switch phones around. And his job did depend on, on a certain phone and ended up just getting, going back to a dumb phone. It's not the end of the world. You know, it's not the end of the world to get off the computer. You, you can actually still bank offline. You can go to a real bank and do your banking there. How important is it? Right? So I'm trying to help them. I'm trying to take away you know, each one of those. But it really seems to be, my observation is it's really case-by-case case dependent. I don't know if I could say it's in one of those categories. Yeah, so I'm, I'm starting with Matthew 5, a lot of these other things. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm telling them, look, I, you know, if I feel pushback, I'll just say, look, I'm not gonna, you gotta be serious about this. And I'll say, because I've done it before and it doesn't work. So you need to tell me, do you really want to change or not? Yeah.
in telling the spouse? Yeah. <clears throat> and you know, I, don't, I don't think that they need to go into gory details. I think kind of what I heard, what I wanted to hear, you know, where it's at, that's what I think they need to tell. I think they need to say, you know, soft porn, hard porn, whatever kind of porn it was, and then how often they've been looking at it. I think the spouse deserves to know that. No, you're not. That's fine. It really turns out, if this is what you're getting at, it really is not a good situation if the wife becomes the, the, the police. Yeah, if she turns into the guapo, it's not good. One, it reverses roles because now she's leading. And I'm trying to get him to lead. That's the problem, right? The way that I would encourage the spouse, and I had somebody, a, a gal, newlyweds, and the guy was a righteous guy. He wasn't looking at pornography. But his wife was so insecure that she wanted him to tell her Anytime that he saw a girl that he thought was attractive. And she would even ask if, after he was in a class with some other girls, did you see, do you think she's attractive? And she was all mad. And her reasoning was, we're one. And I just argued and argued and argued. Finally, I just had to say, look, you're not listening to me. You're not listening to the elders. No, that's fine. I can't be the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's true in counseling. You just can't be the Holy Spirit in their lives. And you can't be the Holy Spirit in your kids' lives, right? So I was just like, look, <clears throat> but I will tell you this is the path I think you're on. Your husband's grown bitter. He's being accused of something that he's not doing. He's a righteous man, and the guy was at 20 years old. Really godly, godly young man. Um, but what I did tell her that kind of got through to her, I was like, nowhere in Scripture is it telling you that it's your responsibility to make sure that your husband doesn't look at porn. It's a concern, for sure, because it's affecting the marriage. But God is not saying, spouse, your path of righteousness before the Lord is to insist and make sure that your husband never, ever, ever looks at pornography again. It's a concern. You pray to the Lord. It's an issue, but it's not your, it's not your responsibility. God's not holding your feet to the fire for it. If, if he looks at it, it's not your sin. You don't need to repent over him looking at it. See what I'm saying? That, and that has helped. Uh, so that would be one thing. The other thing would be if, it's, if he's unrepentant, and that's where the wife would say, and she would have legitimate concern. Well, yeah, he says this, but he just keeps going back to it and going back to it. That's why we need to be counseling within a local body underneath the oversight of the shepherds. Uh, the gal who helps counsel with us at the church I'm in, I meet with her on a monthly basis. I don't go into details for confidentiality and to encourage people to, you know, to be able to talk with her. But I'm asking, I'm following up on her cases because I'm overseeing the counseling that she's doing. Um, where was I going with that? So... Um, I lost my... In the local body. Yeah, so it needs to be in local body so that the elders are helping discern whether true repentance has taken place. Maybe the guy's just really struggling. Or maybe he really isn't even trying at all. And so if the elders are doing their job and they're involved in something like this, it's getting to be a bigger issue. It relieves the wife or the spouse, because it could go either way. It's relieving the spouse of having to be the Gestapo. See what I'm saying? And so that's a helpful way of, of dealing with it. Good questions. Uh, I'm also going to, so I need to get that commitment. We need to get accountability done, all that stuff before they leave. Uh, I'm also going to be teaching about the heart. Uh, that Proverbs 4.23, the heart, Proverbs 4.23 says, heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Jesus was basically teaching that same Old Testament truth. He was saturated perfectly with the word, 
when he would teach to the Pharisees and chastise them and say, you know, out of the heart the mouth speaks. You live your life based on what you truly love. Well, what is the biblical heart? Well, in Scripture, it's those categories that I had up on that slide last night. Thinking, believing, desires, and wants. It's more than that, but it's at least that. Um, So we could say, guard your thinking, guard your believing, guard your desires, guard your goals in life, because from those, you live in your life. I want them to know that, because their pornography is coming from things they're thinking, believing, desiring, and wanting. And that is off. Pornography is just the fruit of it, but it might also, the, the same heart issues might be producing a lot of other fruit that's bad, like selfishness and pride. We'll get to that here in a second. So I'm going to go through that because I'm going to assign them a journal where they're going to describe the circumstances, where they're tempted. I'm just going to have them like data dump, what they were thinking, what they were believing at the time, what they were wanting, what they were, um, what their goals were in life, how they responded, what happened, where the failure was, what time of day. I'm helping them with patterns, but I'm also helping them kind of pull all those things apart and that's going to help, me under, help them understand their own heart. So I want them to become heart aware, and I'm going to do that in the first session. I'm going to give them Ed Welch's booklet or article on motives that's going to basically describe, describe what I just shared. Stuart Scott, one of my mentors, he has a lecture that you can find online on the biblical heart describing you know, in an hour what I just described in five minutes. I'll have them listen to that. So I'm teaching it. I'm giving them a journal. The homework assignment is they're going to listen to it. And then also they're going to read that article and I'm finding out, you know, whatever, maybe there are some people are readers, some people are listeners. I'm just doing all of it. If, I've, if the Lord's used me in counseling situations, it's because of the homework, not because of any slick thing that I said. You know, I'm just really an average guy, but I really pay attention and take time to give them very specific homeworks. And I've seen the Lord use that because it's saturated with his word, with the truth. So that's first session. I want them to become hard aware because sometimes these guys come in and they're hardened. I'm saying guys because that's who I counsel, but it's it's ladies as well. But pornography hardens their heart. It numbs them spiritually. I'm gonna challenge and strengthen their commitment to Christ. Do they love Jesus? Because they're sure not acting like it. And I'm just gonna be blunt. And the reason why is I've just seen that, that the person who has had this porn addiction, again, I just see, it seems that their heart has just gotten hard over time, and I'm trying to soften it up a little bit. You know, and it's case by case dependent, right? But typically, I've had to just say, um, believers love Jesus. They do what they do because they're responding, they're responding to the gospel. Love begets love. That's First John all over the place. I didn't write it. 2 Corinthians 5 is one of those passages. Uh, Paul here is dealing with people who are chastising him for whatever reason, I think probably because uh, he's been persecuted, he doesn't look like much, and they don't think he's one of the super apostles. So he's defending himself to them, not because he wants them to think highly of him, but because he wants them to listen to him. Big difference, right? He's not defending them because he's protecting his own reputation. He's defending his position as apostle because he wants them to listen to him. So he says in verse 11, therefore knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We're not commending ourselves to you again but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. 
I don't think they had categories for suffering servants. Look, if you're, if you're a true apostle and you're the Lord's servant, then why are you dealing with all this persecution? Seems like they were kind of succumbing to some sort of health, wealth, and prosperity gospel of the first century. So he says, hey, if we're beside ourselves, if you think we're crazy, it's for you. If we're in, if we're in a right mind, it's before God. Either, either way, it really doesn't matter. It's for a particular purpose. And then verse 14, because for the love of Christ controls us. We're doing what we're doing because God's love controls us. Love for Jesus is controlling us. His love for us is controlling us. We're responding in love. We can't do anything else. The word that's being used there is a word that's talking about constraining in the sense of like riverbanks constrain the water. The water can't jump out of the canyon, right? So that's what it's talking about. The love of Christ. Christ's love for us in and through the gospel controls us. Because we've concluded this, and he explains the gospel more, that one has died for all, on behalf of all. Substitutionary atonement, all that goes along with that. Therefore, all have died, our union with Christ. And he died for all that those who live might no longer themselves, but for raised. So that's just a, a text that's going to challenge them on where their love for is Jesus Christ. It helps them behold, behold Christ. Because remember, sometimes if you talk about pornography, that's all they can think about. But really, we want to take one look at our sin, 10 looks to Christ. Uh, a guy that was a youth pastor when I first started doing this gave an analogy that's so helpful um, he would talk to his youth students and illustrate it this way. He had this big post, but it was the backside of a baboon from the zoo. You know, anybody seen backside of a baboon? It's pretty nasty. You know, I mean, it's like, oh. Anyway, so he would have that thing and apparently have it covered up, something like that. He would say, what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to show you the backside of this baboon, but whatever you do, do not look at the baboon's backside. And then he would take off, guess what everybody wanted to do? Look at the backside of the baboon. So when you tell somebody, if all you do is talk about, you got to stop looking at porn, guess what all they're thinking about? It's porn. So that 2 Corinthians 3.18 that we've been talking about is so helpful. How do people change? By beholding Christ, not by fixating on their sin. One look at your sin, 10 looks, you know, to Christ. So, you know, that 2 Corinthians 5 upholds Christ because it talks about a substitutionary atonement, and it's the motivation for our love and for our, for our, our uh, desire to pursue righteousness and obedience. But it also is a good text that just challenges them. Hey, brother, where's your love for Christ? How's that going? Matthew 13, 43 and 44, the parable of the treasure. Are you valuing Jesus Christ as you ought to? That's another good one. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. You know, just talks about the glories of Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, and it's just this explosion of the glories of Jesus Christ. So I want to challenge them with those. I want to maybe talk to them about the attributes of God. A.W. Pink's little booklet is good. Tozer's is, is great, whichever one you prefer. I want to help them have a high view of God and a low view of man. The person who's looking at pornography regularly, their heart is selfish. Um, they don't fear the Lord. We'll talk about that here in a later here a little bit later. So I'm trying to help them lo- love Jesus. And loving Jesus, having a high view of God is something that people catch rather than, what, that rather than be taught. I can use the means that are available to me, texts that are you know, particularly juicy, Colossians 1, ones I've just mentioned. But at the end of the day, I can't make them love Jesus. The Spirit has to use, work in their heart to use those means. I'm just trying to be the conduit, put those texts before them, challenge them on it, because they might think that they do, 
but their actions prove otherwise, right? Any questions on any of those up to this point? Just raise your hand if a question comes up. I'm also going to check their disciplines. I'm in a church that is very theological. Lots of people getting their PhDs, getting pastoral degrees, so on and so forth. I'm so surprised that people aren't in the Word every day. It just blows my mind. And probably nine times out of ten, when it's a pornography situation, they're not in the God's Word every day. If they were, probably they wouldn't be looking at porn every day. Not that they wouldn't have slip-ups, but they wouldn't be in it every day because it, the Spirit just is going to use that to just convict them. So they got to kind of stay away from the Word and away from conviction to be able to do that every single day, right? So I'm going to give them a Bible reading plan in a year and have them do at least the New Testament portion of it every day. It takes one minute. They can do that. I'm trying to help them form this habit of daily Bible reading. If I've had success in counseling, probably 50% of it is because I've held them accountable to being in God's word every day. That's why it's not rocket science. You can do this. It just takes time. It takes gobs of time. People don't want to do it. But it's labor. It's labor to listen to people and wade through their mess. They put that ball of yarn that's all tangled out on, on, your, you know, on your kitchen table, wherever it might be, and you know, you're just pulling it, you know, pulling it apart. It's, it's, it's labor. And it's not glamorous. Nobody even knows what you're doing. And you're just, you're just laboring with these people, bearing their burdens. It's a slugfest. But it's not rocket science. Just getting them to read God's word. So I'm checking the disciplines. I want to see where that's at. How are they feeding their soul? What does it look like? Are they, or they, they might be reading their devotions, but they're just reading it to get a check in the box and then moving on. I'm going to try to help them slow down. Right? They're just dipping their tea bag. You know, if you just dip your tea bag, there's no flavor left. People are like, ah, this tea's terrible. Well, did you, you got to let it steep. You got to take God's word. You got to chew on it and just mm, soak it in. You know, pray as you go through it. Lord, help me to understand this. That's what they need to be doing. You might need to show that to them, model it to them. Are they praying? What's their prayer life look like? Do they have fellowship with other believers, other accountability people? I'm in a situation I can't be everybody's accountability. I can't have everybody that I meet make me their accountability person on covenant eyes. Well, that's all I would be doing every day. Would just be going. This person's report, this person's report. It's already kind of crazy. Turning from the sin of pornography requires a local church. I've had some of these people, as soon as they have sought accountability, they've been hiding it and they keep thinking, kind of like a, dr- a drug addict or an alcoholic. I got this, I got this. I just learned one of my former professors, professors uh, was, I was an alcoholic for the last 10 years, even when I had him as a, as a teacher. And he, what he kept doing was, I got this. I got this. Same thing with meeting with a guy. And that's what he just kept doing. I got this. Soon as he was willing and he heard about our counseling ministry, that's why it's great to have a counseling ministry that you kind of promote and encourage. And people are like, oh, that's available to me. I mean, really, it's like, it's like our, the people in our church, because my title is pastor of member care, they see it as like something that comes along with their membership of that church. It's like a perk. You know, like you, 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 know, you join a company and one of the perks is they have like membership to Planet Fitness. That's how people view, view us. So they're like, oh, I, heard, I saw this church had this available so, and it's free, so here I am, you know. This guy, as soon as he, soon as he went public with it and seeing me, done. Done. Not that he's not had any temptations, but pretty much cold turkey. 
And I, I have two of those right now. That's the case. And I'm trying to get other people that can kind of do that for those situations so that I can kind of be available more for the, the stickier ones uh, because these are going to be easy. I'm going to teach on contentment every time. Uh, you look at Philippians 4. The person who is looking at pornography is not content. If they're married, they're not content with the spouse that God gave them. If they're single, they're not content with their singleness, right? The only righteous path for a person to be looking at someone who has no clothes on is within marriage. Or unless they're a doctor, perhaps. But you know what I'm saying. They need to be content with their station in life. Paul says in Philippians 4, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. How can he say that when he's gone through all these hardships? It's because he valued his love for Christ to such a degree. He valued his relationship with Jesus beyond anything that he was valuing so that he could say in Philippians 1.21, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. One definition of contentment is this, wanting what God has given you. That's contentment, wanting what God has given you. They need to be content. person who's looking at pornography, they're probably not content. Christ is enough. They have thought that their joy comes from looking at pornography. They've been duped. They know it probably by the time they're talking to you. They realize that after, the, after everything's over, it's, they're guilt-ridden and it doesn't bring them the joy. It's not satisfying. But they've been duped. They think that their joy is in someplace else. We need to help them see in Scripture that no, your joy is in your relationship with God. Psalm 1611, at your right hand, his pleasures forevermore. We'll come back to that again. Um, where I'm ministering, audible books, you know, listening to books on your commute, because people have a commute. doesn't work here in Custer because no one has a commute. But it works where I'm going. And so they'll listen to books. And if you have a subscription, the Puritan Jeremiah Burroughs wrote a book called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. And so I assign that because it's free on, by, you know, if they have a subscription. And one guy, this was the thing that just killed it for him. Um, it's Jeremiah Burroughs. Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. And he just listened to it over and over again. So it doesn't have to be me. I don't care how they get the truth. You know, it doesn't have to be me. I'm just pointing them to where they can saturate their minds. You know, when I'm checking the disciplines, and also along in here, I forgot to mention, I forgot to mention last session too, that I want to find out also like what they're watching, what movies they're watching. Are they watching stuff that's like just sensuous? You know, that's really presenting a worldview that that's the good life, you know, kind of Kyle's question, if you could press the easy button. My question is, you know, the good life is fill in the blank. And so I'm helping them, you know, because a lot of the movies, even if it's PG, like, I mean, everyone's wearing yoga pants these days. I mean, it really leaves like nothing for, you know, to fill in the blanks for people. And, and the, the way the movie is done, it's just kind of sensuous, you know, it's always kind of just pushing pushing. Well, they, they, need, they don't need that. They're having a hard, hard enough time anyways. So stop, stop watching that stuff for, for the sake of your own soul. So anyways, teaching on contentment, that's going to be helpful. Teach on the fear, fear of God. Met with somebody, you know, 20, probably 22 times, which is a lot for me. Usually I'm done by, in that 8 to 12 uh, meeting period, and I'm turning them over to discipleship, right? I don't just turn them over to, the, I don't just stop. I trickle down my meetings. We're meeting every week, then we're meeting every other week, then we're meeting monthly. If they're still doing good monthly in between meetings, they don't have a lot of stuff in their journals. 
Then after doing that a couple times, then I, I have them come up with a six-month spiritual growth plan where they assign their own homework for six months. And then I just set an appointment out in six months. But in the meantime, I link them up with someone else from the church, another godly person, an elder typically, or a deacon or an elder's wife, wife or a deacon's wife. And then they go through a book like Jeremiah Burroughs' Rare Drill of Christian Contentment at a coffee shop once a month for that two-hourly meeting. This, is, this has helped work towards not having relapses. I think it's a way for us to all the rest in the ministry. So our church, you know, we're doing so much counseling. I got so many people helping me out on that kind of thing. And then I'll meet with them in six months, do a checkup. How you doing? But, you know, so, so huge there. But this person, um, like 22 times, and, and um, you know, so gay porn was an issue. And, you know, I was just like, I was thinking about it before the meeting. I was like, man, if, why are we not going? And I was like, the person doesn't fear the Lord. That's what it is. And I was like, I don't think I've harped on this enough, you know, taught on this enough. And, you know, he mentioned it, had another slip up in this. And I was like, dude, this is wicked. Like, like no other, all sins are equally damning, but not all sins are equal. This is another, you just need to know, this is a, another layer of, of, of hardness in your heart. And they actually thank me for that. Thank you for just being so direct and just calling this wicked and evil. I needed to hear that. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, the end of the matter all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. My definition from teaching through Ecclesiastes of the fear of God is this, to live in the light of the reality of God's existence, right? To live in the light of the reality of God's existence. And anytime we sin, we're acting as if God doesn't even exist, right? He's omniscient. He knows all things. But when we sin, we're just kind of, you know, pretending he doesn't exist. Momentary insanity. Person who's looking at hardcore porn, they don't fear the Lord. That, that you know, right? You know that. I mean, in their right minds, they, they do. And so you're, you're laboring with them. They're struggling. But they need, you know, after 22 sessions, definitely needed, needed to hear this a little more direct from me, and that was probably my error. Psalm 119, 120 says, My flesh trembles for fear of you. It is fear. The word in Hebrew is fear. It's the word that's used for fear of the enemy coming and crushing you, trembling in their boots. That's the word, so... We try to kind of get around it in our day and age. I don't think that's helpful. It's awe, it's dread, it's fear. Um, you know, if you go to the Grand Canyon, you walk up to the edge of the Grand Canyon, you know, hopefully there's a fence there, but you kind of look down, it's like, oh, your knees go weak. We went up to the Rankin Ridge Tower. It was open. There wasn't a sign there, so I don't know if we were allowed to or not, but we went up. And our, you know, your legs shake, you know, because you're going, death is right there. And so there's a sense of just respect for, for that. It's serious. Um, our God is a holy God. We don't want to be just flippantly dealing with sin. Proverbs 16, 6. I love this. I mean, don't you just love scripture? Sometimes you read this. I read this the other day in connection, in thinking about, this was just in my Bible reading. And this is why if you're going to do biblical counseling, you got to know the word. Be in the word daily. Uh, most of my counseling comes with what I just read that day. And I'm applying it to that situation. Here's one I read when I was dealing with what I was just telling you with. Proverbs 16, 6. By fast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. Part B. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. We've already identified that looking at pornography is evil. How do you turn from it? 
text says, by the fear of the Lord. There you go. Bam. More difficult is how you get someone to grow in the fear of the Lord. Okay, so we've identified the problem according to Scripture. I'm going to have them agree with me. Do you think the lack of fear of the Lord is an issue with you? When I said this to this guy, oh, yeah. Yeah, I need to grow in that area. Okay. We've, we've got the right diagnostics, right? I, I'm never going to say, oh, this is your problem. I always, I always say, you know, based on what you said and me reading the word, I think that this is probably your main problem. What do you think? Does that, does that fit? They know their heart better than I do in some ways, right? And so I'm looking for them to go, yeah, exactly right. Okay, and now we agree, we'll move, we'll move forward. But now it's like, okay, so how do I help them grow in the fear of the Lord? Again, this is something that people catch rather than are taught. So I'm trying to model it for them in my own love and zeal for Jesus Christ and how I'm trying to live a righteous life before the Lord. We're going to talk about God's attributes, particularly God's holiness, teach on that. General discipleship. They've got to believe the Bible is true. So we're just studying the text together. That's why you've got to be in a church that has a high view of God. Not a, you know, if their view of God is this Pillsbury Doughboy, that's probably dating myself, but I don't have any other analogy. Pillsbury Doughboy in the sky where you just touch his belly and he just giggles. You know, you know, God just giggles at my sin. He knows I'm trying. Got to give them a right, true understanding of the God of the Bible. And the Old Testament is part of the Bible. Both Testaments. There's a book out by Michael Reeves. I really like his stuff. His book, if I, if I think they need to grow in their love for Jesus, his book, Rejoicing in Christ, is a great one. Have them read that, depending on where they're at on their reading level. When you're counseling with people, have them read some. I always start out, you know, when I, like I've been trying to do here, reading a text and then praying. I always do that because I want it to be worshipful. Some people, they're just not good readers. It's not a ding on them at all. But it's so hard for them to read that it's just not worshipful by the time they get through. So I'm reading it and then I'm praying. But the other reading in the counseling session, they're doing it. I want them to read the words themselves, see exactly where it's at. But I'm also judging their education level. And if they have a master's degree, PhD, it doesn't matter. Not all, not all degrees are created equal. So I'm having them read it so I can hear, you know, how they read. And if they're really stumbling over pronouncing, you know, a certain word that, that should have been easy for them, I'm probably not going to have them read Michael Reeves' Rejoice and Tremble. But his book, Rejoice and Tremble, is all about the fear of the Lord. Haven't read it yet, just excerpts. But that's a great book that I'm just going to assign people who need to grow in fear of the Lord. I just don't have time to, to teach every session on, on the fear of the Lord. I mean, that's a huge topic. So I'm trying to get them to listen to things and read things outside of our, our time. But I am going to teach it and exegete the text, right? Help them to see in God's word. You know, we went over Proverbs 16, 6. A person's jaw just dropped. That's how, that's how you grow in combating evil. Anybody know what time we're, we're ending? Okay. I want to also expose their pride. Anybody who looks at pornography, you know for sure they're a proud person. They think that they deserve X model, whatever, whatever the case is. They're selfish. They're, they don't care about exploiting other people for their own pleasure, right? I'm trying to help them see that. that. By doing this, they're exploiting other people for their own pleasure. I want them to hate the industry, but I also want them to hate their selfishness. I use Stuart Scott's pamphlet from Pride to Humility. It's five bucks. You get it on Amazon. 
I can't, I'm always running out of those. I use it so often, pretty much in any kind of counseling situation, except maybe trauma or something. But we all struggle with pride, and it just comes up. I'm always going to teach a little bit on that, at least one session. Yeah, it's called From Pride to Humility. It's a little booklet, and it's by Stuart Scott. Get it on Amazon, five bucks. If you have his book, The Exemplary Husband, it's the chapter on pride. I like his booklet because he, what the book doesn't have is a little, a little exercise to put numbers in front of, you know, the diagnostics thing there. It's pretty slick, and that's just a helpful thing to walk through. So I like the pamphlet. Scott's definition of pride in that book is this. The mindset of self, a master's mindset rather than that of a servant. A focus on self and the service of self. A pursuit of self-recognition and self-exaltation and a desire to control and use all things for self. That's the person who's looking at pornography, isn't it? It has an evaluation of manifestations of pride section. You know, it shows manifestations of pride and you rate yourself on those. One of them was this, a lack of gratitude in general. The proud person tends to be critical, complaining, and discontent. The proud person is not in the practice of being thankful toward God or others. And I've seen that link. People who are addicted to pornography pretty severely, they're typically critical people. They've got this big sin problem, but boy, they'll just shred somebody who, who misused a theological word. They're just arrogant. Definition of humility, Philippians 2, 3. I'm sure you guys know. Talking about Jesus. There, he did this perfectly. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, count others more than significant. Proud person doesn't do that. Humble person does. If others are more important than myself, I'm not going to exploit them for my own selfishness. And I'm going to think, I'm going to be going, I don't, I don't deserve anything. I'm just so thankful for anything that God gives me. It takes a humble heart to be content. So contentment, pride, and humility, I mean, that's the same conversation. I, I split them out to help people understand a little bit more. And Stuart Scott has a, a, a lecture, one whole lecture on pride and humility. So I'll have them listen to that as well. Just reinforce, because they might be a listener rather than a reader. So I'm just trying to figure out. And if they have a commute, well, they can listen to that. Humility definition from Stuart Scott, the mindset of Christ, a servant's mindset, a focus on God and others. You're not focusing on serving others when you're looking at pornography. A pursuit of recognition and exaltation of God desire to glorify and please God in all things and by all things that he's given. Humble people repent of sin as a way of life, he says. I'm also gonna discern whether they're, they're experiencing worldly sorrow or godly sorrow. That's 2 Corinthians 7.10. Are, are they wanting, you know, I'm asking the question, why do you wanna stop looking at porn? Some people might just say, that's just humiliating. I just realize it's not a good thing. Well, I mean, unbelievers can can have that same sort of thing. They don't want to be addicted. They don't be owned or controlled by anything, right? And they realize it's just not respectable. Unbelievers can be there. Uh, maybe it's to avoid bad consequences, jail time or divorce. I had a person who counseled a long time ago, getting a PhD, thought it, thought it was God's gift to theology, really just came to me, wanted me to patch him up so he could get back in and start writing his commentaries for the, for the kingdom, you know? But he was at Bank of America and uh, got fired because he, during the day, he was during the day for hours trying to access pornography and got locked out of these computers. His employers pulled him aside, knew he was a seminary student, said, we got to fire you, sorry. 
awful. So why do they want to stop looking at porn? Is it because they're broken over it and how it's affected their relationship with Jesus? Do they have the heart of David in Psalm 51? Creating me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit with him. Against you, you only have I sinned. That's godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is like, man, this got me in a bind. I don't like the consequences. My wife is so mad at me. My husband's so mad at me, whatever the case is. Uh, listen to Psalm 31, 34. This is what we want to see. Give them a vision. This is, what, this is what a broken heart looks like. Oh, Lord, rebuke me. This is Psalm 38. Oh, Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They're too heavy for me, right? It, you know, I have to counsel this in my mind. I gotta be stern with certain individuals. But I'm not like up here and they're down here. I mean, I've got a sin problem too. It might not be a pornography addiction, but my rebellion against my king, even on this side of grace, is so heinous. I can identify it. With, with just struggling with putting sin to rest in my life. So, you know, um, I just kind of wanted to, to mention that. For sake of time, I'm not saying all that I would say. There's a lot of other things that I'm, I'm saying. It's not just a pound session. We're talking, you know, I'm encouraging them in their love for Christ and God's grace and forgiveness. Teaching them one other thing would be what true repentance is, what it looks like, right? Repentance is not a, a, a dirty word. I tell people struggling with pornography because a lot of times they'll be, I, 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 I slipped up last week, and they're just like so defeated. I'm like, well, repent and, and move on. But truly repent and move on. You know, don't just, dis, you know, just kind of be flippant about it, but repent and move on. It's not the unpardonable sin. Um, repent is confessing that it's sin. It's recommitting to a path of righteousness that the Bible has laid out. And then it's embracing the gospel. Yet again, that's why we continue to battle sin. That's what gives us the strength to continue to battle sin day in, day out, even when we fail to be perfect. Um, we're that sinful. Just as a good reminder to us why we needed a bloody Savior to hang on the cross, die a terrible death in our place, because we can't get our collective act together even on this side of salvation, right? The gospel's glorious. And then it highlights the beauty of Jesus. It should put them on awe of him, because he never, in his time on earth, never, never sinned. That's amazing. He never wanted the wrong thing. Heath Lambert has a book called Finally Free. I just commend that to you. It's gonna touch on a lot of the thing, same things that I did, maybe in different order. I've added a few things there, changed categories, whatever. But I'll basically, I mean, that's you know standard issue on a pornography situation, and it's gonna walk you through things to check on. And I use it just as a check to make sure I didn't miss something. In, in, in my haste or my busyness or my tiredness or something like that, excellent, excellent book. There's a lot of other books out there. I gave you a, resources sheet there a little bit. Things to watch out for. We already mentioned it. Spouses involved in policing. That's one. Uh, masturbation. That's one that always comes up. Not, a, not my favorite thing to be talking about, but, but it's always an issue with this. Um, if they don't think that masturbation is sin, then, then you know, they're not going to, to seek to battle that. And, you know, Christians disagree on this. A lot of... Uh, Integrationists, pretty much everybody I know of is going to say that it's, it's not sin, it's a normal thing, you know, 
you know, don't worry about it. Christians and non-Christians, like, I, I just beg to differ. One, because of the guilt I've seen and, and the people that have even been told that, even though they've been told it's not a sin, it's still bothering their conscience. Um, but then, you know, it's really, in a, a pamphlet that I use to help on this is one called Sexual Sin, and the guy's name is Black. I think it's Jeffrey Black. There's also an article, the pamphlet came from the article, but it's a CCF pamphlet called Sexual Sin by Black. And it just kind of describes that really what this is, is masturbation is saying my way, not God's way. God had a righteous path for, uh, for that pursuit of pleasure, and it's not yourself. It's a, it's a godly spouse. You gotta wait on the Lord. You gotta trust him. You know, you look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, or do you not know, Paul says, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, right? The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You're not your own. With the price, so glorify God in your body. Encouraging, challenging at the same time. Other things to look for would be, you know, same-sex uh, desire. Someone mentioned that's a better way of saying it than same-sex attraction. Same-sex desire is gonna be a whole other slew of issues, right? And, uh, you know, when you're counseling someone addicted to hardcore porn, there's going to be a lot of other things kind of going on that you're going to be stirring up. We're out of, we're out of time. Uh, again, like Kyle said, be patient. If you're in a situation, don't be surprised that it's a spiritual battle because it's a spiritual battle. That goes for all your counseling. They're having a spiritual battle within their own heart. That, that's just true. So it ought not to surprise you that it's a, that it's a battle. But we want to help people battle well and be with them in the long haul for as long as they're willing to be in the long haul. And uh, if you're not making traction, there's things to look at. They might not be a believer. You might be giving them bad counsel, those kinds of things. Anyhow, we'll stop here. If there's questions, I'll be up here, but I'll let you go get your break. Thank you for your attention.